Today is the third Sunday in Lent. Lent is this 40-day period that focuses our attention on Jesus' journey to the cross, his death and resurrection. It's also a season of preparation, a season of repentance. And so as kind of an introduction, we just note that the historical church has always taught about Lent that we not only give things up, but we also take things on. So let's see how we're doing. So I gave up Amazon Prime. So I'm two and a half weeks in, and I've not caved yet. I've stayed strong, all right, which is, I'm not going to lie, it's not been easy. <laughs> um, how are we doing? Anyone? Uh, and remember, this is the most important thing. If you haven't decided to give something up, this is the third week of Lent. So it, if you do it now, it's just easier. You have less time that you have to do it. So don't think that it can be too late. It's never too late. Uh, to start a discipline or a practice. Really good. I'll give up chocolate. Chocolate? Oh, yes. See, we have a taker. Thank you. Do you, you, you want to start tomorrow, though? Because today's your, or your birthday was yesterday, right? Okay. Yeah, but there's party today. So. Party today? No All right. So it's going to be hard because today could be tough. Okay. You can. That's true. I think the Catholics don't count Sunday because it's the day of the resurrection. So you're allowed to break your fast on Sundays. That's true. Um, I'm not, I, that would just be such cheating for me, because then I would just line up all my prime <laughs> things for Sunday. I'm not going to do it. That, that would defeat the purpose for me. Um, so the other thing is that we take something on. And so the ancient church, of course, urged us to consider taking on an extra practice, things like uh, taking on pr- uh, prayer and fasting and giving to the poor. Um, so we tie that into what came in the announcements, the two scopes that Molly has now been able to pronounce perfectly twice. I know, twice. I'm impressed. Um, That jar is back there. So hopefully this is something that we do collectively um, to participate in uh, this kind of Lenten journey together, Uh, giving folks in our community uh, who don't have access to good health care, good health care, super important stuff. So hopefully we we do that really well together. Today we're going to be talking about this kind of sense of urgency um, and so I read this really good article. I was reading, I was trying to learn something about this. Have you ever thought about um, fear-based versus like opportunity-based motivation? Which would people say is the better motivator? An opportunity or fear? What's that? I'm curious. I'm actually curious. What do we think is a better long-term motivator? We'll ask it like that. Opportunity or fear? So fear can be a decent motivator short-term. Uh, but it's not always the best motivator for long-term change and sustainability. And so I read this article in the Harvard Business Review, they, and it was titled, To Create a Healthy Sense of Urgency, Focus on the Big Opportunity. And so the author was talking about these two things, which I found really, really interesting within an organization, one that tries to motivate uh, by fear and organizations uh, that try to build sustainability over, over time, uh, motivating uh, with opportunity. And so Jesus is going to create this sense of urgency in today's teaching, and it's going to raise some really difficult questions. I mean, this one's, I think, quite challenging because Jesus is not going to answer all the questions that we have. We're going to have some tough, especially all the why questions. We just are not going to get all the answers uh, that we wish we had. But my hope for this time today is that we're going to respond, that we're going to take advantage of and seize the opportunity for change that Jesus is offering in today's teaching. So let's pray. Loving God, we open ourselves up 
to the seeds of wisdom that lie dormant in the reading of this word today. God, may our hearts and minds and whole lives be fertile soil in which it may grow strong and true. Amen. So as we read from Luke's Gospel, chapter 13, verses 1 to 9, listen for this word that presents an opportunity and see if you figure it out. I may have already said it. I'm not even sure. Here we go. At that very time, there was some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way that they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig round it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The word of the Lord. Anyone know what the big opportunity is in this passage? Did did anything jump out at you? Any word? But unless you repent, right? Uh, That's this opportunity. And so we don't always think of repentance as a big opportunity. Maybe we have some other. It'd be interesting if we had time to talk about what people's ideas of repentance are. Um, But we'll talk about this in a few minutes. But it's also one of the hallmarks of Luke's writing. It's a big big theme in his writing. And so here Luke places two contrasting ideas next to each other. And this is so strange. He places judgment and divine patience and puts these two things right together in this teaching. And so there's two different tragedies. There's one, the first one, is this incident of kind of state-sponsored terrorism. The second one is a natural disaster. And so the first one, the terrorism of Pilate, deals with a really difficult question with bad things happening to unsuspecting people. And so what happened most likely, and this is kind of a little bit of reading into it here, that Jewish historians have recorded all kinds of atrocities that this guy Pilate committed. So we're not terribly surprised that news comes from some Galileans who had come from the temple in Jerusalem, which we remember Jesus is journeying toward in Lent. Okay? So news comes from the temple of this tragedy that had taken place where Pilate is up to his same old repressive and brutal tactics. Jews were worshiping in the temple. Pilate, perhaps fearing rebellion or riot, has his soldiers sent in to slaughter these innocent worshipers. These, these people that are worshiping in the temple, he has them killed. And so that's the first tragedy, right? And so this atrocity brought up some really good questions. They're asking some tough questions. Who's to blame for this? Who's to blame for evil in the world? Why do bad things happen to good people or innocent people? And so what we need to know in the ancient world is a little bit different than our time, the way people thought. And so in, uh, in our time, uh, people are quick to point the finger and blame God. In the first century, 
they would have been much slower to point the finger at God. The ancient world believed that tragedy reflected God's judgment on sin and that all of the responsibility for some calamity would be placed on the person who experienced the tragedy. It's like a du- think about that for a second. It's like a double tragedy, right? That they brought it upon themselves. In other words, there's this direct correlation between sin and suffering. This is, these are the questions that Jesus is going to have to, to address and deal with. And so these Galileans, they come to Jesus and they want to know, what do you think about this tragedy? We, I know what they thought, right? But they want to know what Jesus thinks. In classic Jesus fashion, he answers them with the question, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way that they were worse sinners than everybody else? And what does Jesus answer? He says, no. This is not the case. You guys have this one all wrong. So that's not what they thought. They must have thought that these people had done something terrible, uh, that they were worse and that they deserved this horrible judgment. And Jesus is like, you guys, you're thinking about this all wrong. You've got this wrong. And he says this emphatic, no, these unsuspecting people were not worse people than anybody else. They were uh, victims of a horrible and brutal tragedy. And then Jesus really shocks them. He kind of makes it more personal. And he says, unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. And so he goes into the second one. And he's using the second one to prove and talk, make a really similar point. This time, it's not humanity that causes the tragedy. It's this natural disaster. We're pretty familiar with those around here, right? And so this one is a building accident. There is a tower that collapsed, killing 18 people. Siloam, the place in the scripture, was the location of Jerusalem's water tower. It's possible that this water tower collapsed, fell on these 18 people, um, and the people around Jesus wonder. And they question, they ask the same question. Maybe these 18, maybe they were worse sinners than everybody else. Maybe they deserved and they had this coming because they were worse sinners than everybody else. And what does Jesus say? Everybody, what does Jesus say? No, you've got it all wrong. Sin is not the explanation for why tragedy befell these innocent people. So what in the world is he doing? He's actually, I think this is a pretty simple point that Jesus is trying to teach us what life already teaches us, that life is precious and it's precarious, right? Really simple point up to here. And so we just don't have any guarantees about how long we will get in this life. And we learn that tragedy, though, is not the result of divine punishment. This is the beginning of Jesus' point. The first kind of big point that he's making is that Jesus is creating an opportunity for personal reflection for each of us and repentance. Even though we wish Jesus would answer some of our why questions, um, I have plenty of them, and I'm sure you do too. This isn't what he's teaching. And so this story, like the two, the first part of these kind of dual tragedies um, actually were really personalized for me this week. Katie went to dinner, um, and when she was at dinner, she recognized the waiter. And so she's absolutely certain she knows who this young man is, but she can't figure out. She can't figure it out. And finally, so she's like, all right, I've got to figure this out, right? So she asks him a few questions, and she realizes that this young man had gone to New Bray Park High School and knows our, our daughters, and so they figured it out. And it, he, too, had recognized Katie, but he couldn't. He was kind of trying to figure it out. Did he, did he remember, or was he just... 
Okay. So you, you like figured it out together, and at the same moment, the light bulb goes off. Okay, perfect. Um, it turns out uh, that this young man, his name is Rob, too, um, he had been at the borderline shooting. Um, and we, we heard his story before. Katie and I met, had met him. Um, this kid had been called by some of his friends, and he had gone, he wasn't there, he had gone to pick up a bunch of friends and give them a ride home. Okay? And he told me when I first met him, this, I, I, just thought, I just remembered that he said this. He told me, he's like, I never go back and pick people up. <laughs> he's like, my friends call me and I'm like, no, I'm in bed or I'm not, go- I'm not going back to pick you up. This night, he decided he would go back and pick up his friends um, to, to quite a situation. So, so he was there. And we had met him. And we met him the day after the borderline shooting when a really good friend of mine called me uh, because his son, too, had been at Borderline. And this kid, uh, some of you have heard this, we talked about it months ago, uh, but this, this guy had already survived the Route 91 shooting in Vegas. Uh, so now this poor kid is a, is a dual survivor of two of the worst mass shootings in, in our country's history. And so the dad called me and said, hey, Rob, I, re- I need help. Can you please come over? And so Katie and I actually both left work and just went over there. Um, and by the end of that day, we probably spent time the whole day with about 40 to 50 20 to 22 year olds who one by one just started showing up at this house first it was one then two and I'm telling you by the time we left it was like there was a standing room only um, in this house this kid Rob who was the waiter uh, was one of those kids and he shared his story so this is like my mom used to say when I was a kid that God works in mysterious ways right and so when Katie started telling me this story I'm like this is, this is God working in mysterious ways because it gets even more mysterious. As the two of them are talking and recounting uh, the time that, that they spent together at this guy's house, a woman from two tables away hears their conversation. and She's been listening. And she stands up, walks over, and says, oh, I'm so sorry for eavesdropping on your conversation. I couldn't help it. Um, but, but she wanted to talk. And it turns out this is just absolutely... Uh, Amazing. She shares her story about her son who was at Borderline who was shot. And he lived, right? Um, and she's like, think about it, she's crying in a public restaurant. You know, she's recounting how hard it's been for her and her son, for her family, for, for, for their friends. Like, we can't even imagine the pain that this mother is going through. It's like, this is God working in mysterious ways. But how connected this, like, this personalized this story for me. We have these two dual tragedies experienced in the first century. We had two dual tragedies within the same day, essentially, right here in our own community. Who's to blame? Who's to blame for this stuff? People could ask the same questions. And you know what? And this is what made me think. I talked about this group a couple weeks ago. But the people that asked Jesus those questions... Those types of people still exist today. Westboro Baptist, who was here, protesting and picketing at Thousand Oaks High School, they asked these same questions that were posed by the Galileans to Jesus. The exact same questions. This group is like on the hate group list in this country, and yet they have the word church in their name. 
They believe that the dual tragedies that our community suffered, the borderline shooting and the wildfires, they actually believe that this is God's punishment for sin. So have they read this text from Luke 13? They certainly don't understand it, right? Or they're choosing to ignore it. But their press release, which is, this is just mind-blowing stuff, their press release actually says, quote, God sent the shooter. It says that on their national press release. Like, this is amazing stuff. These are the same types that are posing these questions to Jesus, saying that there's this correlation between sin and tragedy or sin and suffering. This, of course, runs exactly counter to this teaching that Jesus makes, right? They, they don't understand this text. They certainly haven't read it or internalized it because Jesus rejects this correlation. He says no. He says that God does not send shooters, right? But you know what? This is the thing that made me, I, this is where my mind went. God doesn't send shooters and God doesn't send fires. But you know what God did send? God did send Jesus. And this is the trajectory, this is the direction of Lent, that God sent Jesus for sin, for the sins that we've committed, for the sins of our community, for the sins of the world. God did send someone. God sent Jesus. And I find it fascinating. Like The Westboro Baptist folks, uh, they preach this message of repentance. It's about the only thing they get right in my mind. But they fear where we started. Fear versus a big opportunity. They are pushing fear. Their message of turn or burn is all fear-based. Fear is usually can be a quick a motivator short-term, but it's a poor long-term motivator. They want to scare people into repentance. And so in my, this is how my mind works. I was like, the equation that they put forth is a totally different one. They put forth the equation that sin equals God's judgment and God's judgment equals bullets and wildfires. That's the equation that they're putting out there. The biblical equation is really, really different. The biblical equation says sin is judgment. We're not gonna, we're not gonna, uh, I'm not going to dispute that. But judgment is Jesus who walked the road to the cross on behalf of our sin and the sins of the world. If sin is judgment and this is going to come in a song that Jeff chose for today, then God's judgment is love. And Jeff's next song is perfect tie with this message. And so Jesus' answer to the Westboro Baptist folks is the exact same one that he gave in the first century. This emphatic, no, this is not how God works. This is not how God works. Jesus is trying to communicate something that it's tough that it's this fragility of life that causes this sense of urgency, but it also creates an opportunity. What will we do with the gift of life that we've been given? I think this is a question that comes out of it. And so Jesus expands on his point with a gardening metaphor. And I was wondering at first, like, was anyone confused as to how these two things fit together? The two tragedies going right into this gardening metaphor with the fig tree, right? And hopefully I, I, hopefully I explain that. And so the question is what to do with a tree that comes up, uh, uses all the precious resources, but doesn't yield the goods. Anyone ever had a tree like that? Yeah? Yeah. We, we, we've had a bunch <laughs> in our house, right? Um, we used to have this beautiful apple tree. It is, was gorgeous. And it produced five, 600 apples a year. Uh, they were 
awful. <laughs> I mean, like, completely unedible. Um, I watered it. I learned how to prune it. I fertilized it. I did everything that I could, all hoping that this tree would produce delicious apples. It never once did. We had one family member who loved that tree. Our old, our old chocolate lab, Muddy, <laughs> loved those apples. She would eat so many apples that she would throw up all over the house. <laughs> we ran out of patience with our apple tree and our dog, and we cut the tree down. You have two choices. When the tree doesn't produce the goods, you're going to cut it down or you're going to give it more time. All right? And so Jesus presents this little dilemma. The owner of this fig tree wants to chop it down because it's, he believes like that this tree has had ample time to yield good fruit, uh, and it's not doing it. The gardener says, asks for just a little bit more time, just a little bit more time to improve the conditions, to get things just right. The gardener wants one more chance to help this tree produce the kind of fruit that it was created to produce. The gardener wants to help the tree achieve its purpose. The gardener wants the tree to bear fruit. And so the hard part of this is, like the truth is, right, an unproductive tree or an unproductive person can go on living for a long time. We can go on just fine being unproductive and not bearing fruit. It's possible. But the question is, and the suspense I think that Jesus creates is for how long? Like, if we're honest with ourselves, and we don't, we're not going to raise our hands here. Like, it'd be fun to talk about it one-on-one. Uh, but when we look at our lives, do they sometimes resemble the unproductive fruit tree? I'm just going to admit that the answer for me is yes. Sometimes my life resembles the unproductive fruit tree, Right? And so here's what we get to, which is the kind of fun part. It's when we realize that our lives sometimes look like this unproductive fruit tree. It's in moments like these that the main point of this story comes out, that God offers patience and mercy with us. Listen to this. Hopefully, did I put it on there? I did. Look at this scripture from 2 Peter. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. That is a beautiful verse. And so the fig tree has not been left to its own devices. This this is where we move into probably the most important stuff. It has a gardener. It has a gardener that wants to see it flourish and bear fruit. A gardener that gives it the gift of more time to be productive. And so Jesus' point is God doesn't leave us without a gardener. Jesus is giving us the gift of repentance. Jesus is giving us another chance, a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a 120th chance. Jesus is giving us more time. And so the big question that kind of hangs out there is, what difference will the gardener's grace make in our own lives? Will it make a difference that we get these second chances and third chances and more? Will more time produce better fruit? That's the question for us, I think, to kind of grapple with, right? And so we have this issue of repentance. And, you know, it's like, how will we respond 
to the brokenness and the pain around us? How will the fruit of our lives participate in the healing of the hurt around us? And so repentance is more than just regret. It's not about moral perfection. If it was, are we not all in a little bit of trouble if we're talking about moral perfection? In the Bible, it's always an opportunity to change one's mind or change one's thinking. It's a new way of seeing. It's a new way of being. It's living out the values of God's kingdom. And so it's not about, and this is where I think we we miss the point of repentance. It's not about sin management. This is really important. It's not about, you know, repentance is more than just like, oh, I need to stop doing fill in the blank. That's what a lot of people just think repentance is. Oh, I just need to stop whatever it is, however you would fill in the blank. It's more than that. It's about our ability to recognize the kingdom of God present among us right now. And so Jesus doesn't make false promises. And one thing I appreciate about this passage, it does, Jesus never says that the repentant will be free of calamity. But what Jesus does say is that God will be patient with us. And which one of us doesn't need a little more divine patience? The fact is that we're all here. We're all gathered together in worship. We're gathered together in the presence of God. To me, this is proof enough that we've been granted the gift of patience. Gathering together is an opportunity. It's an opportunity uh, to make the most of a gift that God is giving. Repentance is part of the Easter, our Easter preparation. It's an essential step of individuals, households, communities. Um, the gardener has given us more time, more time to reflect on our lives, more time to repent for the ways we get it wrong. Um, and you think about the gardener is pruning and watering, fertilizing the soil all around us with one purpose in mind, that our lives will bear more delicious fruit. And I think the importance of fruit is to think that the fruit doesn't just taste good to us. Fruit tastes good to all of those around us. That we, Our fruit, the fruit that we bear in our lives, has an impact uh, on those folks that are around us. And so the fruit that God produces in us with patience, mercy, and forgiveness is the fruit that enables those around us to taste and see that the Lord is good. And so we don't get all of our deepest why questions answered, but hopefully we're reminded that life is a gift, that today is a gift, that this moment is a gift, and it's an opportunity to take stock and make a change. And the question remains, what will we do with the big opportunity? Amen.